And at this time, it gives me great pleasure to uh, have our speaker today. It's going to bring the message, Luke Spielman. Morning. How are we all doing today? Good. Well, um, as uh, he said, I'm Luke Spielman. I've been here for a long time. Um, I was part of the youth group whenever I was here. I thought I'd introduce myself. A lot of you probably know me, but maybe some of you don't. So I thought it'd be important that I did that. And uh, it's my first time ever doing something like this. So give me a little bit of leeway here. But um, what I want to talk about today is really near and dear to my heart. I feel like it's not talked about enough in society and stuff like that. And the thing is that you know, God always tells us that we're supposed to, you know, fix our eyes on him rather than, you know, really focusing on the ways of this world. But uh, basically my topic today is I, I thought about so many things I could put for a title for this thing, but I, I go through so many different aspects of it, so bear with me. There is going to be an ending to this. Gonna be, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm hoping that it connects with at least just one of you. That's what, that's what I want to do. And uh, it's the fact that a lot of people are concerned in society today about leaving a material legacy, which a material legacy would be thinking that you want to retain as many possessions as you can as you go throughout this life. And whenever we think about that, we need to realize that this life will end. And I think that's one of the really crucial and important parts about being a Christian is that you realize that with God you can have an eternal life. And these possessions that we retain throughout our physical life here, they're going to go away. But then everybody goes and says, well, what do we take with us to heaven? What does it? What do we take with us? And the thing is that uh, it's the, somebody's soul is what I'm referencing. This immaterial part of us, the only immortal part of us that we actually retain as a human is our soul. And the Google definition for soul is the spiritual or immaterial part of a human being which is regarded as being immortal. I think that's fairly right on, but today I want to really focus on the importance of a soul and the impact that you can have on a soul. And um, the way that we can actually activate our soul, I think, and it's really important to do this, is that I want to point this out, is that the moment that we accept that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the one who came down and died for us and gave us his life for our sins, we can activate that because the Holy Spirit enters us and we can live our life in a way that is pleasing to him and if we live that way then our soul can continuously flourish in this life. So a material legacy and an immaterial legacy is what I'm going to call one where you focus on the impact of the soul. Um, Romans 12:22 says, and do not be conformed to the ways of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which, of course, I said earlier is that he's, they're asking us to fix our eyes on God, not to pay attention to the ways of this world. And in order to do that, I think that we need to be the kindest that we can be to others. It's about impacting other people. It's not about looking the best for yourself. It's not about being the most successful businessman. It's not about building this rapport for yourself. It's about others. And Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. Many of us get caught up in the hype of money and material things and uh, making sure that you get the next big paycheck. Everybody is looking forward to doing that. But I feel like if we want to really live our lives as Christians, I think that we should focus on things that are with other, other Christians, other people, and bringing them closer to God and bringing yourself closer to him. And the thing is that uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many, by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with sorrows. And I think that if we're able to detach ourselves from money, that we'll be able to not only see this world as what it is, it's a true gift from God, and the fact that we're even able to be here is a true gift from God. It's not about us. And I, that's something that's really important to recognize is that it's not about what we want. It's about what God wants and what he wants us to do. We want to be an example here on this earth for other people. And I think if we knew that, what's really important is that we are all a family here, the church family, and I have my family of my own. And I think that it's important to see everybody as family and you want to treat them the best that you can because you only get one life and you hear that a lot and you can take that in many ways you can say we only get one life so do everything you can right now but I think that's way goes way deeper than that it's you only get one soul so it depends on how you want to have that impact on your soul continue throughout eternity you only get one so you're going to want to leave a good mark on that because it goes on forever whatever you leave here it's going to go away at some point um, Luke 12:15 says, "Be careful to guard yourselves from every kind of greed. Life is not about having material possessions." And I want to just ask this. Nobody has to answer. I'm just asking it that people think. How many of you out there really do think that the only thing that gives you a sense of worth or is a source of happiness or joy or anything like that is from the things of this earth. I mean, it's something, it's a really deep subject. A lot of people are going to go and say, well, yeah, I get a lot of stuff from here. I'm, I'm here. I'm living here. But I'm thinking that whenever I'm talking to God and praying to God, I get that joy. And whenever I'm interacting with people in a way that pleases God, I get that joy and I feel like it's a transcendental, it's in something that just goes beyond this earth, that transcends this earth. And I think that is what the kind of joy that God would want us to enjoy, not one that comes strictly from here. And Matthew 12, Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Are we really willing to give up our soul for the ways of this world, for society? Now, I know I'm talking all about this, and I have not yet explained how are we going to leave an impact on somebody's soul? How? How can we do that? And I'm going to say that there's one, it's, there's multiple ways. I'm going to focus on one today, and I think it's the strongest one. Uh, I believe that if you're going to leave an impact on a soul, you're going to have to focus on love. 
love. It says in Matthew 22, 37, and then the Lord said to him, you shall love the Lord, with, Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Corinthians 13, verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. We're told that love conquers all, that it can help us through any hard time, that it can heal anything. And yes, that is true to a certain extent, but you're trying to figure out what you want it to heal. If you're using love as a way to heal your soul and a way to replenish it and make it flourish, that's perfect, I think. And I know it's going to probably sound like a Hallmark movie to y'all, but uh, I'm not talking about familial love. I'm not talking about friendship kind of love. I'm talking about that kind of love that you feel for that special someone in your life, you know, the capital L kind of love. And the thing is, is that I feel like this is really important because we're always talk, told in, that we're supposed to love our friends, love our neighbor as ourselves. but the thing is I want to focus on just one kind of love. It's that love that we feel for our, our spouse. And no, I'm not married, but I like to think I have an idea. <laughs> but uh, so you can, take, you can take what I say into the grain of salt, but I'm, I, I don't know. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind is whenever you're thinking about a marriage and a Christian marriage or a relationship and a Christian relationship, how do you want to lead a Christian relationship? And Ephesians 5.25 is my favorite verse of the Bible. It, it's got to be. It's, uh, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And for me, it's really important that we do this because I know that there's a lot of things that I could be striving for right now as a young man, uh, is that I could be striving for success. I could be striving for money. I could be striving for the best house, for the best car, for any of that. But what I want to strive the most for is just to be the best person I can to that and I do have a girlfriend, and I want to be the best I can for her. And the thing is, is that I hope that this can inspire those out there who are not in a relationship yet, or they are married, or anything like that. And uh, God gave his son, and his son gave his life for the church. He loved her that much. He'd be willing to do anything for the church. And now God's asking us, as men to, and women, everybody, to give anything for their spouse. Don't raise your hands, because I don't, I, it does not matter. I don't want to embarrass you, but how many of you out there are willing to do anything for your spouse? And it's great if you are, that's fine. And the thing is that I just think it's something to really ponder on is that you go and you choose this woman that you marry and she, or man, I'm. I'm a guy, so can I just focus on the woman part here? <laughs> can I? Okay, all right. You know what I mean. I'm not trying to just put it on one. Okay, so. <laughs> um, but you just want to make sure that you treat her the best that you can because this goes right back now. I'm going to bring it back. It's all about your, their soul. God could have put anybody else in front of you, and she could have chosen anybody else but she chose you and God put her in front of you so much an important time that you decided to marry her because you said, I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And I hope it's all love. I hope it wasn't for anything else. And the thing is, is that it's up to you. And it's not like 
you have pressure, but life is pressure. That's what you're supposed to do, is that you're supposed to take it on. And God will give you the strength to face these challenges. And God's given you this challenge to go out there and he gives you this soul in front of you that you have the choice to impact their soul for eternity. You're gonna leave an immaterial legacy, something that will continue forever. It's not like this earth. It's not like it's gonna go away. This will go forever. I just think that's too cool because the thing is that one of the worries that I think all of us have is, well, if I die, then what's going to happen? I have nothing. No, I, it's, it's that we get to go to heaven and we get to be with God and we get to, even though we're here and we think, well, we can't really do anything until we're up there. Well, we can. We can live a life for God. We can live a life for others and we can leave an immaterial impact on people's souls and specifically in this context that would be for the soul of your wife or your husband. And I think it's really important for the youth in the congregation to hear this, is that because the soul is such an important thing, you can do something really bad with it or you do something really good with it. And the thing is, is that whenever you're going into a relationship, you have the choice that if you go and be with somebody and you're not really sure if you really like them or you don't really want to be with them, but you want to go and say, hey, I really like you, let's go out and date and all that stuff, and then you end up breaking their heart, then you just left that impact on their soul. And that's something that you're going to have to deal with on your conscience for the rest of your life. I feel like being a Christian involves you going out in terms of relationships to go out there and say, I'm not dating you to date you. I don't want to go around and feel this out and try the things that I like and what I don't like. It's that you're not going to date somebody and make that promise to them until you have an almost for sure idea in your heart that you are going to potentially marry them. It's dating to marry. That's what I think. And I mean, there are many Bible verses that say this, but it's so hard because whenever we're talking about the Bible, marriage is something that people just went into like they got they met this person and for Jacob he met his wife and the thing is that he had to work seven years well he met the woman that he loved he had to work for seven years never got to be with her and then he married her right just like that it wasn't really any dating stage do you know what I, do you understand what I'm saying so the thing is that there's not really much on dating but I would like to think that if God wants us to have it that the marriage bed is undefiled when I talk about the marriage bed, yes, we can only talk about the bad bed. But I'm talking about, like, I think the marriage bed is, like, I was always told, you made this bed yourself, and now you're going to have to sleep in it, like your life. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that if you're going to, th I think of it like that, like, you're going to make this marriage, and you're going to have to sleep in it. Every single night, you're going to have to say, man, I'm not doing the best I can, or, yeah, I am doing the best I can. I don't know if anybody can say that, but they have to keep on trying. And... I think that even with a relationship, it's, am I doing the best that I can? Am I being the best that I can for this person in my life? Am I impacting their soul in the right way? And I really think it is truly important. In Hebrews 13, 4, he says, marriage is, an honor, is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterer God will judge. And those people who go around and try these things out and test the waters and all that stuff, I mean, I'm not going to go and say that they're warmongers or anything, but you got to think about who is on the other end of this. You want to make sure that they know that you're serious, because I think it's a serious thing to go into. It's something to play around with. And 
when we think about being with this person, it's such an honor for them to have, be, have been put in front of us because God has just blessed us with this person. And we have to go into it lightly. Now, uh, we've talked enough about relationships. Let's get into actual marriage. Because if you are somebody who's just going to be single for the rest of your life, then treat people with the best that you can and impact their souls as well as you can. But for those who want to get married or are already currently married, this is for you. And uh, whenever you go into this marriage, you go and make all these promises as you're dating. You comfort them, you hold your hand, you write them notes, you, I don't know, buy them ice cream, something. And the thing is that then whenever you're there, and I feel like a lot of people, and it's sad to say this in society, is that a lot of people go throughout the dating, and then whenever they get married, it's like, whew, I just got done running a mile, and now I can just relax for the rest of my life, because I put all this work into this thing, and now I sealed the deal. I got, I got the ring. I don't really need to worry about doing anything else. I think that it's not like that's just going to, that little stint of dating is going to be able to, you know, cover everything for the rest of your life. I think that you're going to make promises and God looks down upon lying. We all know this. We've all been told ever since, I'm sure I heard it in Bible school or youth group or something like that, that you're not supposed to lie. And that lying is something that the devil encourages. And I think that if you're going to go and make a promise to somebody that you treat them a certain way, I don't think it should just end whenever you get married. And I feel like it's sadly the way that it is. It goes from being somebody who's happy and in love to being business partners. And then they're business partners and then continues. And yes, real life hits and society hits, and I get that, but it's not like you're just supposed to get, say, I forget about you, I'm my own thing now, I do my own thing. And I feel like it's important to lean upon each other. You have to rely upon each other. That's really, really crucial. And when we're talking about doing this, you have to think about 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Another one of my favorite verses. It says, love is patient, love, and love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for the tongues, they will cease. As for the knowledge, it will pass away. I mean, I could have just started with that verse and I could have been done. I just walked away. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But the thing is that it seems like whenever people get no marriage or any, any part of life, it just seems people can be, become selfish. They want to focus on their own priorities. And how many of you focus on your own priorities rather than, like, how many of you are going to go and say, well, I don't want to clean the dishes tonight. That's your job. I mean, I've done that a couple times with my mom. <laughs> I mean, if my girlfriend asks, and I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> but... <laughs> but the thing is that I think it's really, really crucial that you realize that it's not about living your life for yourself. And it's not just in a way where you're saying, well, no, I'm living my life for God. It's about living for others. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, verse 3 through 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only on let each of you look not only on their own interests, but also the interests of others. And I think that if we have it that it's so important for ourselves to be getting what we want that we actually break promises, then we're not going to leave a positive impact on somebody's soul. It's going to be extremely negative. It's going to be something where you're going to look back and say, I've been lousy at this. I've been lousy at that. And it's, and it's hard. You can't take back time. You can't. And the only time that you can really impact somebody's soul is while you're here. I mean, God put us on this earth so that way we could be messengers and examples for his word. And Jesus came to this earth for only a short time, but he impacted so many people so much that he created why we're here today. I mean, without him, we wouldn't be here today. And if it wasn't for him impacting people's souls like he did, then the continuing of his belief in God and and the belief that the Father is going to save us all, then we wouldn't, there wouldn't be any reason. I feel like without, without Jesus, then there's no really reason to live because why else wouldn't you be here? Because, because you want to be a good person and it gives us moral backing and really allows us to have faith. Faith is extremely important, especially in a relationship. And... I know what you're all thinking. How did he go from speaking about souls and giving us a Google definition to this? And I like to hope that it still all resonates and comes together. But uh, I think it's really important that we focus on love. It's the fact that love is the one thing that we can use to convey the message that you want to leave a positive impact on people's souls. And 1 Peter 4 through 8 says, Above all, keep, leaving, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I think that's so incredibly, you know, heavy. You're there and you go and say that Jesus died on the cross for us, and that was through love, and his love covered our sins, and now we have the power to use something that is as transcendental as love, nothing like what Jesus did, but it's something where we're at least going off of his example. And now we can make people feel like they're worth something, make them feel like they deserve something, make them feel like they're not just the mistakes that they've made. And I, I think that it's so hard to go out there and think to yourself that why wouldn't you want to treat the woman that you are given by God in the best way possible to make her feel like she deserves to have something good? It's not like she's stuck in a position where she's like, well, this is just what I'm in, so I have to deal with it. No, if you're given that person, you're going to want to make sure that you want to do the best, the very best that you can, because God gives you the strength to do it. And in Proverbs 31.10, it says, an excellent wife who can find, she's far more precious than jewels. And I don't think that you're going to find any material thing that's going to, or a job or anything like that, that's going to be amazing enough where the, the employer or the salesman is going to say, this piece of furniture or this job is going to provide you with a home, is going to provide you with children, is going to provide you with a great life, with love, with care, with joy, 
all these things that only a wife can provide. And um, God says that a wife is something that is very hard to find, but if you do have a wife and you treat her the right way, you'll find favor with God. And I think that's why Ephesians 5.25 is so important to just remember is that husbands treat your wives as Christ loved the church and was willing to give his body for him, body for her. And now, I know what you're all thinking, you're probably saying to yourself, he's just a kid. Why is he up here talking and what does he know? But, of course, we have to remember, uh, my mother, a couple Sundays ago, maybe it been last Sunday or Sunday before that, she, as they were coming up to recognize the graduates, she said, first in First Timothy, there was a verse that said, even though you're young, you can still be an example for everyone. And I think that's, I'm up here and I'm able to say that because I want to be the best that I can and I, I don't think... Now, wisdom is gained through years and years of experience, and it's very, very true. But whenever God speaks to you, God speaks to you. Okay, I just have to say that whenever he does, and I believe that with this, I don't know everything, and I'm, I never will. But I think God spoke to me to come up here this morning and tell you about this. And whenever God calls me to do that, I'm going to come up and do it. And that's why I felt like I could have chose anything else. I've been in college for how, I don't know what, like three years. And the thing is that I know, I, like I've learned so many things and I've gained so much knowledge and I could have spoken about anything else from my theology courses and I didn't. Because whenever I first got into this, I was like, man, I'm gonna talk about my theology stuff. Whenever I first thought about doing this, it was probably like a year ago. And now look at me, I'm up here talking to you about this. And uh, it's just because it laid on my heart, you know? It's something that I don't think is talked about enough and. Um, and as you can see, God puts so much emphasis on being together. Because in the beginning, God said that I'm going to create a man and a woman, and she is going to be his, he's not, he's not meant to be alone. And that's just the way we are not. We're not supposed to be alone. I don't think any of us want to be alone. But the thing is, is that we're never alone with God, and we're never alone if we allow God into our hearts to activate our souls, and if we can use the love that our souls give us to impact somebody else, that goes beyond words. Because it just cannot be stated enough that this world only is now, and the immortal part of us, the soul, is something that's given to us by the Holy Spirit, is forever. And I hope that everybody out there can agree with me that they want to make sure that they treat the people in the congregation and, you know, that special someone in their life the best that they can. And to live by Ephesians 5.25 commands us to. I know that whenever I, anytime I wake up, anytime I go into a day, I think that I want to make sure that my girlfriend has a smile on her face and I hope everybody else in the congregation who's a husband can think the same. I'm, I think it's really important that we focus on that because I feel like a lot of us can get caught up in our own, what, we, what we want. And if God can keep all the promises that he does, 
I think that we should be able to keep all the promises that we make and that we continue to date as we go into marriage and we don't just think of that as a race and that it just continues forever because it's such a joy to be able to have somebody in front of you for the rest of your life rather than just being alone. And uh, I just hope all this morning that this at least hit upon one of you because that's all I want to do. I just want to have it that it makes one of you feel like, man, I, I'm really going to ponder on that. and Just know that I think that God would want us to see marriage as a priority rather than our own selfish ambition. And just try and live your life for him. I think it's truly important to do that because for him to have loved the church so much that he gave himself for her and the fact that he put that into marriage out of anything else he could have put it in, he goes, hey, love your friends. And he does, but nothing like this. And I just hope that we can all go out there and realize that it's not about well, the impacts we make on this earth about something that's going to last for eternity. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we pray every single day. That's why we go and worship. That's why we're going to take communion this morning to recognize that God is there and he is here for us and he's here right now and he will you know come through on his promises so husbands and wives and everybody just come through on your promises because I think that God really 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 wants us to you know focus on each other and make sure that we can leave that kind of legacy thank you And I'll just end this with a prayer, and then we'll do communion. Dear Lord, just thank you for letting us all be able to come to church today and be well enough that we can. And uh, we pray for those who are back at home or are listening right now who are not able to come to church. And just have prayers for Pastor Joe as he travels. And let us just be able to think about leaving a legacy that is pleasing to you, Lord, and one that focuses on the impact we make on people and let's focus on our family and things that are going to last forever just like your kingdom lord and let everybody be safe as they leave this morning and let us just all be able to go out and live our lives that is best for you amen okay now i'm going to ask the deacons come forward as it is the first sunday of the month and we are therefore going to be partaking the active communion this morning Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, the night before his death, took a loaf of bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and passed it amongst his disciples. He said, take this and eat this. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Each time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me, the body of Jesus Christ. After supper, he took a cup of wine, and again he blessed it, passed it around his disciples, and said, Drink this, all of it. This represents my blood as a new covenant with God, and is for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me, the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, as that happens, just think about how grateful we are that 
Jesus did die and give his body and his blood for us. And he loved us enough that he would die the way that and gave, give himself for us. That's just really important. Thank you.